the ZD recipe is still in the chat from last week. Mm. Still <laughs> lurking. <laughs> when you hear your family. Mm. I'm not I'm not I'm not mentally prepared for the night. You're never really prepared. Just sometimes you think you are. That's all. That, that's all that counts. <laughs> exactly what I, I wanted to avoid. Perception. This is exactly why I'm not mad. Perception is podcast reality. <laughs> it's a silly season, man. Silly season. Hey, this is this show is your fault. You're doing things and moving no, I'm stuff not, I and, don't do things. This this is right, a wraparound right. episode. Hello, happy Seven Eleven, America. Uh, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, we're recording. Never <laughs> uh, June 25th, we're recording this because it's silly season. <sighs> what is it? What's, uh, what's, uh, what's Gabe, what's Gabe Vigo to say? What does he say? He says that screws up, screws up all my plan, all my operations. What does he say? We can't, we can't change. We can't change. Remember in God and, and Godfather one, he says that screws up all my, uh, screws plans? up all my plans i feel like it was something better what, what is maybe he said arrangements that. was that the one when they, a, when they were changing the restaurant or something or no oh. no it's, it's the family place no it's it's later on when michael is you know like figuring stuff out and uh and uh, then he says that he wants somebody to ride with him yeah that's when they're gonna kill him something. hey pump the brakes yeah it's because yeah. of my arrangements i want to say Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, my arrangements are useless at this point. For old time's sake. Mm-hmm. You can't no. do it. Can't do it, Sally. Sally's, Sally's a, a cool name for a, for a tough guy. For fish, we called him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He was doing the show. He was always the smart one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I heard Marco grudgingly go, what I want. <laughs> what I want. He's seen that. Well, has he seen? Yeah, he's seen that he's one. He's got to know so the bit. Ago. I mean, even if he doesn't listen to he, the shows, he's got to know the bit. He knows the bit, but he, and he's seen the movie, but he doesn't remember the movie. I got to stop listening to these podcasts where they talk to people who who don't like movies. I, I got to stop. You know, I you know how much I love Casey, and you know how much I love I Michael. Mm-hmm. I need to mm-hmm. really stop. I need to stop listening to things where they. talk. I was very daring in that uh, in that realm today. We're talking about listening to podcasts. Uh, done by people who we know are friends of ours but who have different tastes in movies and sometimes that can be painful today yeah. i intentionally listened to uh kiki? a mike at the movies episode <gasps> where mike hurley watched kiki's delivery service one of my favorite movies of all time in fact on i know a letterboxd the website that i use to keep track of all my movies they ask you to pick on your profile page your four favorite movies and one of my four picks was kiki's delivery service so there i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to this episode of this uh person with very different movie tastes than my own talk about one of my favorite movies of all time uh mike has seen one other uh, miyazaki movie so totally so, so you have not that. you have not listened to that portion of the program yet no i did i did today i intentionally listened to it well he liked the other one better i'm gonna dive right in and i'm gonna because you know i've like at this point i feel like i've been through the worst like i've listened to episodes where people i know and like to tell Casey me how they don't like, like the Empire Strikes fuzz. Back. Who doesn't like hot fuzz? That's so weird. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, Kiki's Delivery Service is weird, right? But, but the Empire Strikes Back. I feel like if you if you watch the Empire Strikes Back and you explain to me how you didn't like it, and it's your least favorite Star Wars. Like that's the that's really the <laughs> the summit of me listening to podcasts with movie opinions that I don't agree with. So was that, was someone, that Casey? 
I, I don't want to name names. Okay, no, it's, fair it's enough. Unseemly. It just does I not... know the flying monkeys are going to be all over the place. Oh, you know Todd's not going to like that. Todd doesn't care. Doesn't he? No, he doesn't. I don't know. He's like he's a, got a Peter Peter Baelish thing going on. I don't, I don't know whose side he's on. <laughs> he's got plans within plans. Yeah, I know. He's, he, visual he's effects got a, is a ladder. His chaos is a ladder. <laughs> God damn it! Beat you to it. You're too slow, <laughs> man. <laughs> I'm not mentally prepared for this. I didn't know we were recording. I would I would have my screwed up all my arrangements. I would have done my entire day differently. It's the I, hard landscape, Merlin. I learned that from oh you. The my, calendar is the hard you're landscape. You're not allowed to do this to me. Didn't didn't I make you promise not to do? I didn't do that, did I? I didn't do no. that. I didn't no. do that. But, you know, it's such a funny thing. And, and it's when listening to uh, somebody who I, who I really adore, like these, these guys, like I, I genuinely like them. I like them as podcasters and I love them as people. And like, um, they're both really, really good people. And, um, but it makes me realize how much I really just want to listen to people who agree with me. I, I know that's not you. That's me. That's, that's why we have this program. I mean, every, everyone wants to listen to people either who agree with them or who at least have similar tastes. I like, I do, I love people who can give me an angle on something. I, well, I, I theoretically like hearing somebody who gives me an angle I hadn't considered, which I have to say, I don't like to compliment you, but uh, you do that for me a lot. You have done that a lot. And I, I think it's made me a very slightly better person, uh, more open to things. But, but, you know, a movie like Hot Fuzz, I don't know. I just have such an attachment to that. I have, I, I, I'm dying for the day that I can show that to my kid. Because I, I know she's not going to appreciate it because it's so, all of his, those first, the Cornetto trilogy movie, we're talking here about the Edgar Wright movie, Hot Fuzz. All Cornetto trilogy movies are so heavily reliant on references to genre and even to, and to each other. And to each other. I'm a scholar, man. I have watched all three of those movies a lot of times. But I, I so treasure, she has enough of my weird sense of humor that she would really appreciate stuff like The Greater Good, The Greater Good. You know what I mean? Or stuff like uh, Seeing the Hound, you know? as the, as the uh, henchman guy. But um, no, I just want people to agree. I want people to agree with me. That, you know, that, that episode of uh, the Kiki episode was a good episode that we did for The Incomparable. That was a good program. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but we talked about Kiki. Jason and I alone talked about Kiki back uh, in the early days of The Incomparable when we tried to do one episode about all of uh, all Miyazaki movies or all Studio Ghibli movies. <laughs> right, right, right. That's and it was just me and Jason because nobody else wanted to be on the episode to talk about Studio Ghibli's movies Mostly because they hadn't seen them or weren't into them. So it was just me and Jason. Um, and cover, we, cover them all in one episode. Is that the idea? Yeah. And mm -hmm. we so we touched on Kiki's delivery service <laughs> then, but then we came back to it. <laughs> for an entire episode you should you should listen to this little portion of mike in the movies because i think there are parts that will be relevant to your recollections of our discussion no uh, well i did no that's what i'm here to i'm sorry this, this is a very we should start this call over i did listen to it i did and um all right. and jason on at least two and a half occasions tried to bring up uh you know the previous discussion of what was the cat talking Mm -hmm. No, but Jason didn't try to bring it up. Mike brought it up. Mike, no, no, no. But Jason was trying to reference that this had been like a tentpole. Yes, yes. But Mike brought it up on his own. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't prompted by Jason to say, "Hey, what do you think about the end?" And Mike right. brought it up on his own, which is which I is is amazing to me because I this my, one of my favorite movies and I watched it for years and years and that question never bothered me. But never apparently, to to, to new. I mean, it occurred to me, but like I think it's more of a thing that maybe this is the thing about hearing people watch some like movie that you really like or whatever, especially if it's your friend. The first time you watch a movie, especially if it's like a classic movie or whatever, or if it comes with some kind of like the weight of expectation of people expecting you to like it or whatever, that first viewing experience is very different, right? Oh, it's, yeah. There is so much weird about, even myself, like the first time you see a movie, 
like it takes a little while to settle. So it's kind of weird to say I, this is the very first time I've seen this movie. It's a famous movie. It's a classic thing. Uh, everybody loves it. And I'm watching it for the very first time. And now I'm going to talk about it immediately because mm-hmm. that stuff takes a while to settle. For, and no, you no. can settle yeah. in the direction. You can no. find out that you really hated it or you could find out you really liked it. But that first viewing is just such a jumble. I, I, I agree. And like there's there's some movies where uh, we've talked so much about this with regard to kid stuff, you know, and going back to a movie. In our case, one we returned to recently that I'm like, it was like, wow, no, it's not Ghostbusters. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. And I was like, damn. <laughs> it's still very, very funny in parts. It, it's, uh, it would not get made the way it was made then, today. Um, but there, uh, there's a reason I have not rewatched Escape from New York in years. And it's just because I know I will never recapture the feeling of the first time I watched Escape from New York. And there's no way it could possibly stand up to what 13-year-old me thought of that movie. Now, just to stipulate, this is on sneaking, um, sneaking TV time. After my mom and my stepfather had gone to bed, I snuck out. It happened to be on HBO or Showtime, home box, home box office or Showtime. And you have to pay attention. You can't pee. You can't do two things. You can't pause cable TV. And I was, I wouldn't in a heartbeat. Like I, I was so enthralled to what was happening in that movie. It was, he had throwing stars and he had a patch he had a glider. He had to land on the on the world on the uh, World Trade Center. I mean, come on! It was everything to me, and um, so I haven't gone back because I know there's some stuff where, like, you know, I don't want to. It's almost like my thing of like, you know, well, you know, they say about memories. You every time you, I don't want to talk about the biology of it, but your memories degrade over time, and you like retell that story to yourself. And I know I'd be bummed. I doubt it's going to be like my feeling when I watched Mrs. Doubtfire where, where, where Madeline and I were like, wow, this is really. It, it might be. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hooker stuff, isn't there? There's, there's a lot yeah, of, uh, yeah. And you get that guy, you get that one guy, um, the guy with the guy with the cool hair comes out of the sewers. My recollection of Escape from New York is much dimmer than yours. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China was my thing. Oh, similar, that's Kim Cattrall, right? Yeah, which I saw many times as a kid, and I also probably don't want to revisit. Nope, nope, nope. Bet you don't. He's the Duke of, been, Duke of New York. Speak, speaking of uh, you, you looking forward to showing your daughter these movies that you love, like, and you know, the, and the idea of like before you go and show your children these beloved movies from youth, maybe look at them again yourself, like just oh, to make sure. Almost, pretty much, almost always, <laughs> they are what you think they are, and to remind yourself of all the parts in it that you maybe think aren't ready. Anyway, uh, usually when. It's just my son and I for an evening or something because my wife and my daughter are out doing other things. We watch a movie because he's you know, he's 15 now. Jeez. And, and you know, so he's getting to that age where I feel like it's safe to start showing him more adult movies. His, his sensibilities, he doesn't like scary movies like me, so I have to be careful not to do that. I already talked about, I showed him Alien when he was 14 and that was a mistake. Sorry. I mean, at least he didn't do it to himself. Like, I, I shouldn't have watched Poltergeist when I did. That was my own oh, personal mistake. Oh, my God. Now, now I subjected him to Alien and it freaked him out, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to be terrified by a movie, it's a high quality movie to be terrified by. But. A movie is, as they say, a lot. There's not even that, there's not even that, that, that much super grisly stuff, but the tension in that movie is, it's, yeah. it's a perfect movie. It's, it's yeah, so, so that was a little bit over his limit, but hey, he saw it on Blu-ray, high quality. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so this most recent outing, and I've done that with a bunch of other movies, this most recent outing, I, I always give him choices. I say like, here's what we have, and I try to like describe them and not like forcing the card, not trying to make him pick one. So I say, we've got like a spy movie, we've got a gangster movie, we've got uh, a, com- a weird comedy, 
uh, you know, a fantasy movie, you know, a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. That's how I would describe like the, the set of movies he can choose from. <laughs> he basically just points to the box. <laughs> you no, no, you know I don't even, I don't even show him. I don't even show him in a multi hallway. Like you're going to lift the box and show him what he just picked. No, he doesn't. There's no visual associated with this whatsoever. Because they don't want to be biased by like the cover art or him having heard of a franchise from YouTube or whatever. Like I don't even know how many of these things he's heard of. Like so, what I'm really describing is like sci-fi movie. I eventually he uh, he picks sci-fi one of the times, or it seemed like he wanted to lean towards. He's very non-committal. He's he's very non-opinionated early. If he does have, Isn't a he, hasn't he voice reached there. the grunting phase at this point? Yes, he's mostly just grunting. Mm-hmm. And so I could tell from the sound of his grunts and gurglings that he sci-fi was what he wanted. So we saw uh, the original Terminator, which is not a great movie. But the well, not not a great movie by modern standards for modern kids who have their expectations. But I needed him to see it because I wanted to get to Terminator Two, and you can't watch Terminator Two without. It's got some. It's got some adult adult, adult kissing time in it. Yeah, that's that's fine. That that part of it's fine. It's just saying like special effects wise and the music and the pacing. It's very eighties. So eighties, um, yeah, yeah. So we watched Terminator, and then like you know weeks pass. The next time we had a movie night, I'm like, now we can watch Terminator Two. Didn't even give him a choice about that one um and terminator 2 still holds up and like i feel like you can't you can't appreciate terminator 2 without seeing terminator 1 no so we did that um but anyway that, that's, that's an example so now he doesn't really pick anymore like he won't even make a choice out of the of the genre thing so i have to just guess like i guessed uh a little while ago i uh i said fine we're watching scott pilgrim which was the weird comedy choice at mm-hmm. that time uh another, and he loved the edgar wright classic yeah, based on how much he actually laughed out loud during the movie, I'm like, it actually landed. I was afraid he wouldn't find it funny at all. Oh, I love it. Um, so that was great. And he's into video games and everything, so got a lot of the reference material and, you know, the other parts I could explain to him painfully. Uh, but most recently, we did uh, Kill Bill 1 and 2, which are two what? of my favorite movies, which I, I actually did Mike at the movies with Mike Hurley right. and forced him to watch Kill Bill 1 and 2, which he tolerated. Right, But uh, there are... Uh, probably my favorite quentin tarantino movies and i really like them and so we watched both of those and i couldn't tell because quentin tarantino was quite a thing like before we did it like i i had to, I had to quiz him like are you i know you don't like scary movies which is like okay i don't like scary movies either how how do you feel about gore mm-hmm. right because i know what's in kill bill i don't have to rewatch them I'm very familiar with the movies i know what's in it he watches a lot of anime a lot of cruddy anime which is the a lets him understand a lot of the influences that are in Kill Bill, but b hopefully he's exposed to gore and those things, and he's not. But he's not. Anyway. He's not as deep on kung fu movies as somebody of our age. No, he didn't. I don't think he's ever seen one. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, he's seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was another one of our movie night things, right? But that's a, that's a whole different genre. It's more like you know, uh, wire foo and that that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So. He has no idea what, like, you know, coming home from school and, and watching uh, a kung fu movie on uh, WPAX. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know what that is, mm-hmm. right? So, a lot of the stuff was lost in him. But anyway, we watched it, and I think he enjoyed it. But I'm I'm getting to that stage now where I don't know. It's not that I don't know which movies will be safe and not safe. Uh, it's that I don't know which movies he will like and not like. Right. Because it's very difficult to predict. Right. But the pace, the, at the pacing, we must not lose this in the lights. Um, our beloved movies of the eighties and nineties, the pacing is, I mentioned this on a Slack that we're both in about that, that wonderful sort of genre of like weird nineties kids movies, you know, sort of, I want to say post Goonies, but like when, when movies could still be weird, I know it's an eighties movie, but when movies could be very weird for a kid, so movies like Matilda and and movies like, you know, like Adam's family values and stuff like that. 
were like, you know, those those are so weird. They might get into them because they're weird. But like 80s comedies that we remember and 90s comedies, the pacing is not just comedies. The pacing for those movies was so different. You nailed with Terminator. Terminator is so 80s. It feels like a like a parody in some ways. But but at least stuff happens. Like remember that's James Cameron, Mr. Action, right? It's so like to give an example, I tried to show my kids when they were very young a rated G movie that I loved from my childhood. And we tried, I tried several times to get the kids to watch it. And we never made it up to any of the parts that would be on the movie poster. Dude, I was trying dude, to get Mary, them to Mary watch. Poppins. Mary Poppins is so excruciatingly slow. It's, Mary it's, Poppins, I think they made it somewhat oh, into it. I couldn't take songs. it. I loved that as a kid. I listened to that A-track on repeat and I couldn't make it. Like, my God, how long is this movie? There's nothing happening. Yeah, I, I, mean, I feel like the, those movies have a little bit more for the kids to watch, but the movie I was trying to get them to watch was Flight of the Navigator. Do you remember that? Uh, vaguely. A, that was live action, right? Yeah, so it's like a mirror spaceship thing that a kid gets in and flies around. It's basically like kid discovers a spaceship and flies around. And mm-hmm. it had very, I remember being very impressed by the special effects at the time. They have never gotten to the ship because you know why? <laughs> that movie starts, it opens on like a baseball game and, and like a 70s grainy looking baseball game. It's like Bad News Bears and they're just like parents and kids and they're walking around and the kids are just like, oh, I'm out. Nothing has happened so far. I'm like, there's a spaceship in this movie. I swear. Like, whatever. Like, yeah. we never got to the spaceship. That I think the spaceship is like, it's probably like six minutes into the movie, but it is so deadly boring before that because they just feel like they have all the time in the world to establish all the characters and their relationship to each other and the fact that he plays baseball or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Very different. Um, and honestly, Flight of the Navigator is probably not that great a movie in the grand scheme of things because I feel like the great movies hold your attention no matter how ostensibly boring they are. Like, both I, can I was watch about contact. to say E.T. because the funny, I mean, E.T. does have a pretty good, like, like not a cold open, but like, mm-hmm. but the pacing in E.T. by today's standards is is glacial. Like, just, you know, I loved it. Like, the scenes of them playing D&D and stuff like that was like, was so exciting to me. But like, there's just, Everything takes so much longer in that movie than it would take for the same amount of action today. Yeah, they, they just felt like they, the people making movies felt like they had more time to, I, I have I have five minutes to spend on the scene. The only things I need to communicate are here are the people who have relationships to each other and here are their personalities and nothing plot wise is going to happen in this movie. It's like, you don't have that kind of time in a modern movie. Every, every movie, something's, every, every scene, something's got to happen to move the story forward. And if you're going to have a scene that shows the relationships, you get like one and a half lines for the two most important people and zero lines for everybody else just to look mm-hmm. um, think of how many scenes where they introduce you to a family and they have to say here are the members of the family here are their relative ages here's their relationship to each other you get so little time to do that in modern movies yeah here's here's each each one of them has a bit like here's their bit not even a bit sometimes sometimes one of them the younger one just gets a look and the second one just gets a grunt and then the dad gets a line and the mom gets a, a reply line and that scene is they over just get in the station wagon and argue in six shots and yeah. you know anyway my my kid i was so proud of my kid um she um she clocked what was going to happen in, in t2 so quickly i was really impressed before i thought she would she figured it out i was afraid that he had already been spoiled on that mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure he wasn't but in i can't tell how predictable it was the main the reason i wanted him to see t1 first is i was hoping that he didn't know anything about the franchise because I wanted him to be as impressed and surprised as I was by the transformation of Sarah Connor, mm-hmm. which is one of their, one of the oh, early yeah. reveals in the movie, right? Cause she is very different in Terminator than she is in Terminator two. And they 
the, the movie plays in that. The first scene you see, you're like, this is the same person with the big poofy hair and, you know, mm-hmm. running around and screeching. And now she's, you know, looks very different. She's doing pull-ups and, and her little cell and everything. And oh, then she's yeah, so cool the, in that. The, the big reveal with Schwarzenegger. Uh, I think, I think I pulled it off. I think he was surprised. He's, he's, it really depends on what people have decided to meme on YouTube, right? Because he knows about a lot oh, of yeah. stuff tangentially through YouTube and a lot of things can be spoiled, not because he's watching videos about the plot of an old movie, but just because there's some joke or meme related to it. And he just, you, you eventually come to know it through osmosis. There, there's, there's so much stuff where this is, should not be at all a surprise for me, but there's, there's uh, so much stuff. I guess this was true just as much when we were kids, but there's so much stuff, you know, from parodies, right? Well, that's mad magazine in our time. Or today, um, <clears throat> with Bob's Burgers, there's so many things where I'll share something and she'll go, oh, the moon door, you know, at, um, uh, was it, you know, Liza's place, the the veil. Mm-hmm. The moon door. Oh, yeah, that's like in, in Gale of Thrones. I'm like, what do you mean? Or she's like, you know, on Bob's Burgers. And like, you know, in Bob Door or whatever his name is, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And then we saw, we saw, you know, um, we saw, uh, of course, we saw Die Hard. And she's like, oh, yeah, work harder, die trying, girl. I'm like, yeah. I guess so. And there's, mm-hmm. there's just, there's so many of these. There was, but I mean, seriously, they, they, it just happens. It happens all the time where we'll be watching something. She's like, oh yeah, that's, that's why they do that on Bob's Burgers. <clears throat> I would love to show her Bridesmaids, but all, all I own of it is the unrated version and the rated version is R. So I just showed her the scene where they go to the, uh, there's a YouTube the video after, at when they go to the bridal mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And she, because she's a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. So she really liked that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know why? I know why. It's because we were we've been watching um, Kimmy Schmidt, and uh, well, she's finally I think old. She, I, I, we we mutually agreed she's old enough to watch that now, even though it's got a lot of sexy stuff. It, mm-hmm. But it's fourteen. It's TV fourteen. It's fine. Mm-hmm. She's like at least mentally fourteen. Have you shown? Speaking of fourteen, have you showed her Pen Fifteen? No. Oh God. I mean, so here's the thing. Pen 15 is set in middle school. She is soon to be in middle school, but the comedy is somewhat more adult than oh, middle school. But, but on the other hand, got some I feel thing. like I feel like everything depicted on that show is true to the experience of being <sighs> middle school aged in middle school. So, so it's like you, yes. we can't show you this television program that accurately depicts what depicts what you're about to experience or are currently experiencing. That doesn't make sense to me. Oh, no, I see what you're saying. Like, she can live it, but she's not allowed to watch other people act that out on TV. And then what's weird, though, is, like, when I was a kid, like, I, I came of age uh, right around the time that, like, the, oh, God, all those movies, Last American Virgin, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like, all those kinds of, like, early 80s uh, teen comedies that almost always in, involve someone getting pregnant. I mean, uh, Caddyshack, right? All of those movies, but Caddyshack's like kind of a weird example, but especially stuff like Fast Times. I mean, there's some pretty serious thematic stuff going on in some of those movies. I feel like I can't show my kids Fast Time, even when the material no. is available, just, be, just because, even when they get old enough, just because it's like, it's so I want them, if I showed it to them, I'd want them to understand your life isn't and shouldn't be like this anymore. Mm-mm. This is what life was like. But we as a society hopefully have progressed and, and I hope that your experience of life and school is is not like the worst aspects of this. Some aspects are still on, like you getting a crappy job at a fast food place and you know that that's still real. But the whole the interpersonal relationships and the, the dating scene such as it is is much less relatable, I hope. Well, I just just all hope the like like half relatable. the population is basically meat. It's just, you know, just the way the, the, uh, all girls get treated. We had a, um, Taylor Swift, uh, video party last night, right before bedtime. 
And I, I you know, I, I, I catch myself. I'm like, we were watching the video. I, li- I really like that one. I like a lot of her stuff, but I really like that song. Uh, Why you gotta be so mean? It's kind of like a pretty good video. It's back when she still was kind of very much a country singer. And there's like a scene where they're like, you know, being mean to a girl in the lunchroom because she has a different colored bow on her dress. And I, and I almost jumped in and said, you know, I almost said like, people are terrible. <laughs> if they don't like you, they're not really your friends. And I was like, shut up. Let her just process the goddamn Taylor Swift video yeah, on her own but, terms. But you, but you hope like, I, I have that hope. Like when you see things like that, acting, uh, acting out a thing that I think we both experienced for real like that or worse seen, you know, happening to other people for the most ridiculous reasons that we hope that in, in today's world of schooling that just just as we assume that no one is beating our kids with a wiffle bat or a paddle with holes in it yeah. at school we also assume that if this type of thing was going on that the school would put a stop to it because our kids go to fancy schmancy schools with teachers and administrators that ostensibly care about them and it's just not accepted but when we were kids it was totally accepted it happened all the time there was no protection we've talked about it we think it was you and i think it was encouraged yeah that was just you know you have to learn it's part of growing up. It's part of this part of the school education you're getting is this this constantly being, you know, tortured and abused by uh, your your peers. But there's a difference between knowing, okay, so how this is the gonna be the department of easier said than done. Um and I'm I'm just <clears throat> I'm gonna speak for myself in my own hang up here. Um I mean, first of all, I think there's a difference between like like here's the thing to uh, you know give you the feels and, uh, you know, there's stuff about life and DDLED and all that kind of stuff, uh, because it exists, doesn't make it right. And, and in, in a movie, like <laughs> in a movie, like some of those teen comedies we're talking about, like you're cheering, you're cheering for, you know, Anthony Michael Hall holding up her panties in the bathroom. And it's like, well, that, that gets, that's, that strikes out in both of those for me. But in the department of easier said than done, um, I, I'm not saying I'm good at this cause I'm not. But I don't want to rob anybody of the chance to appreciate what movies in particular can be great at, which is letting us, letting us process something that isn't happening to us right now, right? So like the empathy that you get from or can get from a movie, um, even if it's something terrible happening, I, I would just as soon shield her from the truly, truly awful stuff. But, you know, I don't want anybody, I don't want, here's the thing. I don't think it should be my job to process what's happening on screen for somebody. I don't think it should be my job to, in that case, they, you shouldn't show them that movie. Like if you, if you know you're going to need, like, you know what? Don't show them Schindler's List. Because like when you get to the point where you explain the importance of the girl in the red coat, like that's not a movie you should have shown to that person. Like the whole point of that movie in so many ways, there's a lot of good points to that movie. But one of the points of that movie is like, it is, it is in your face what, what humans are capable of for better and for worse, but also for better, Right. But like, you don't want to chew it and spit it into their mouth like they're a baby bird. Like, let them watch what's on the screen and draw their own conclusions, and they know how to ask questions if they need to. Yeah, but I'm I'm always trying to find movies that I feel like they can relate to, and also secondarily that don't normalize behavior that I don't want. Yes, normalized. Very, that's, that's very the problem well with like, the only reason we care about what our kids are monitoring is that lots of these things. It's not the point of the movie, but it's just sort of like a side effect. And if you watch enough content that you know, treats this group of people this way or uh, models, you know, the hero, the hero models behavior that you don't think should be considered heroic. The movie is not going to do the heavy lifting for you. The movie is going to reinforce the idea that see this, this is cool, right? Mm -hmm. See this, this is how the world works. See this, this is normal. You want to be this person and that person. And the movies are very, very good at conveying that through repetition and, 
you know, through modeling that. And so I feel like you have to either actively counteract certain, that. The repetition that normalizes certain kinds of stuff to where you get to be the like sniggering, pointing outs, outsider, or not outsider, but like the one who, who gets to be the one who points and laughs at people. Yeah. Or, you know, or even just the most benign things. I mean, you mentioned, you know, the, the, the various heroes in the John Hughes movies yeah. have uh, aspects to their heroism that we probably wouldn't want our kids to model, but the movie hundred percent wants the audience to relate to and think this is the way the good guys should act. Yeah. Like J- Jake Ryan, Jake Ryan's such a hero. Uh, not really. What about Ducky? Ducky's insufferable in Pretty in Pink. He's what a creeper in so many ways, but the, um, Jeez, I don't know. I I just I think that stuff is I think that stuff is complicated. Yeah, and the good thing is the kids aren't really interested in those type of movies anyway. I feel like it just it just I'm just showing my kids the cream of the crop that are mm-hmm. mostly unassailable. That you know are either like the problematic aspects of it are are fleeting and not reinforcing of anything in particular. Or you know, and I'm watching it with them so I can talk about things. But mostly it's just like you know, great movies, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't need to see the middle tier and they certainly don't need to see the bottom of the barrel just because that's what was all that was available to us. Um, but things like Kill Bill, I mean, incredible, incredible over-the-top violence, which is not being endorsed, but if you were exposed to kids to that a lot, you can, like, like you. That's, that's the whole thing of understanding. Like, if you haven't seen tons of anime and kung fu movies and all the other influences that are mixed into Kill Bill, it makes less sense and also, I don't know if it, it, it certainly loses something. Uh, but I feel like you might not be getting from the movies the same thing as someone with more context might get. So then what are you getting from it? Like it just is oh, a, I, shock, I totally a shock fest. You know, um, two, two quick things and we can move on. Um, for me anyway. Um, one is, um, hero. Have you watched hero? Uh, not recently, but I've seen it. It's real good. And I, I, of course, as always, I got resistance, but we watched it and it's, it's pretty, you know, I mean, it's. It's got violence and stuff, but boy, that that's a, such an absorbing movie, and and really a fair amount to think about. Um, Hero, I would recommend Hero if you like stuff like um, Crouching Tiger and you like things. Well, Kill Bill obviously is a little extreme, but Hero is gorgeous. It's a really. I, I wouldn't put those three in the same group, but uh, uh, Crouching Tiger I think is better than Hero, and it is the, the movie I prefer of the two. But Hero is still. Well, yeah, but the storytelling in Hero is very interesting. But Crouching Tiger, I feel like, has a more. Uh, more uh, human and empathetic characters mixed in with the fantastical yeah. dancing around. I'm, I'm, I've always been very moved by the by the love story in Crouching Tiger, which is such a weird thing to say at a movie where people float around on wires and kick and punch each other. But. <laughs> they jump off branches of trees, kicking each other. Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's the rare movie where the older couple is the main focus of their relationship, and the younger, more beautiful couple is, that, is that's Maggie Chung know. and who's it's not, it's not Jet Li though, is it? Who is it? No, it's that oh, one it's Michelle, guy. Michelle Yeoh. And, Michelle and, Yeoh. Uh, okay. And, uh, oh, yeah. Charlie and Fat? No, wait. No, no that would be fun. Um, the, uh, yeah, Jet Li is in uh, Hero, and he's great. Uh, anyway, I, I, I would recommend to listeners, you check out the movie Hero. It's really good. The other thing I was going to say, this is, are you ready for my banana state? I'm not mentally prepared for this episode. Um, an interesting, um, has your family gotten into Vines, watching, like, YouTube compilations of Vines? We occasionally watch like best of compilations on YouTube. Yeah. Not really as a family, but occasionally when my kid, kids my kid have friends loves, over and they want to watch YouTube. Watch yeah. My, my kid loves them. And I, I can only take so many of them at a certain point in the evening when my attention is well and truly frazzled. But I, there's like these three compilations that we've watched. I don't even know how many times. 
it's you know it's got yes cat it's got you know the um smooth criminal like you know all the classics i want to swing from the chandelier but like it's so fun like when you watch the like and people who put these together the freebooters who put these together you know we usually label them as clean vines and you know fair enough most of the time they are um oh chris is that a weed probably my all-time favorite vine um but but they're all they are they're all really really super fun to watch but you know what's weird is like if we watch of course it's youtube so you watch too much and you get radicalized into like weirder stuff. And there's compilations of vines that are just, it's like, it's an extreme, a concentrated version of America's funniest home videos. I thought you were going to say it's like uh, a compressed faces of death. Well, I mean, like, well, I will, you will know pretty quickly if you're in one that's going to be a lot of people getting hurt. And like, but it's just so interesting to me how like, you know, this is really, like I say, this is a wackadoo thing to say. Because it's just vines, whatever. First of all, as ever, I have to stipulate, I'm sorry I didn't appreciate vines when they were a thing because what an amazing art form. Um, there's just so many like drop dead hilarious, often African-American men and white women who nailed what to do in that six seconds in a way that's utterly transformative of what you could do with six seconds. So brilliant, so funny, so clever. And there are some that like represent, on the one hand, you got the pull of the human condition, which is like, we're all really silly. Human beings are silly, and we know that. And so many of the best vines are so compressed and are about human foibles, you know, in a way that we can laugh at ourselves, as we like to say, right? And then on the other end of the extreme, it's just, it's, it's super intensified, like, kids getting hit in the nuts over and over. And it's, it's really, I don't want to say it's two poles, but it's interesting how that one, maybe it's not interesting, maybe it's obvious how a medium like that could be used to portray these different kinds of things. It's, you know, back to Arthur Kessler and his, you know, the act of creation. And it's like, you know, humor versus tragedy and that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know, it's just so interesting to me how some of those are so like life affirming and like how it, that makes me so excited about the creative possibilities of, you know, of the internet and of people, the people who are on the internet. And other times you're like, ah, this is just all the crappiest, grossest stuff distilled into six seconds. And you could do anything you want with that six seconds, and and some people some people made all this amazing stuff that's really empathetic and genuinely very very funny, and other people just use it for like compressed cruelty. It's the dual crucible of you know enforced short time limit, but also the, the dynamics of social sharing. Uh, that if you're making a thing, you want people to see it, and if you want people to see it, uh, you know you are forced to find the most evocative six seconds you can because mm -hmm. that will get it shared um yeah you know yeah. It, so obviously with only six seconds you're not gonna there's not gonna be a lot of filler it's got to be all killer but then what kind of killer the kind of killer that gets it shared and that is you know just like we see on twitter and you know it's the, it's the opposite of sad twitter that your wife reads is the all twitter right find the cutest thing you can find the most heartwarming thing in six seconds right and the opposite side of that is you know uh, ow my balls right or you know faces of death or whatever <laughs> speaking of that and then you can decide where this falls this one i saw recently which is this a frog is it a frog tattoo what is it just watch it it says it's not vine length it's a little bit longer just watch it okay hang on oh it's a real frog sound on please oh, yeah oh my god oh, oh, oh no the poor kid Oh, yeah no. so this is a combination one all right so to describe this video it's a it's a little boy and he's screaming and holding very still as only a little a little boy can he has a little tiny frog that it's like is, a tree frog stuck, it's an adorable tiny tiny tree frog on his stuck upper arm to his arm and he's his, screaming his, like his head is in a vice 
Right, because, you know, if you're a kid, it's like when a bug gets on you, the kid's yeah. just, like, screaming and, like, inconsolable and st- st- arm out stiff. Ah, get it off me, get it off me. But he's just screeching, right? And his mother or other caregiver or whatever is, like, just telling him to poke it, like, telling him to basically... While she while she shoots it with a video camera. Yes, yeah, so if you just touch the dog and it... Uh, the dog. Touch the frog in its butt, it will jump away and you'll be fine. Like, don't worry about it, right? And so she goes to show him... And she touches the frog in the little butt to make him jump away. And the frog jumps, but the frog does not jump away. The frog jumps onto the little boy's face. It jumps sticks directly to, it, onto sticks his to nose face. and mouth area. <laughs> and sticks onto there. And the kid screams even more. And, and she, suddenly it's like, like a David Cronenberg film. <laughs> right. And I mean, at no point in this is the child in any physical danger, but the child is in tremendous emotional trauma, heightened by the, by the frog jump. I was telling my family when they were seeing this, like... This kid's going to grow up to be the frog equivalent of Batman. You know, like in Batman, in Batman Begins when he's in the cave yeah, yeah. with all the bats and everything. He's right. going to be dressing up as a frog as an adult and fighting crime. And, he, you know, we're going to have to see this scene over and over again. Instead of the pearls dropping, it's going to be the mom <laughs> dropping the phone. <laughs> I just want to go to Zorro. Now he's got a frog in the face. Okay, yeah, so uh, it is it is both uh, emotionally evocative because you, f- if you're a parent, you feel for the kid. And if you're not a parent, you don't have as much empathy for screaming children. And you're just laughing at, you know, haha, this kid actually isn't in any danger, but isn't it funny to see this thing escalate? And like many vines, it like cuts away at right at that vine moment right. with the camera sort of falling, but like not intentionally. Like it's not <laughs> like, like this was a setup. When the kid says to the, runs up to the woman and goes, daddy. <laughs> and the woman goes, do I look like? <laughs> cuts away. I just sent you mm-hmm. my favorite vine. Have you seen this one? Your favorite vine. All right, um, I'll put this go. into show notes for the episode. Uh, it's called Is That a Weed? Please watch it. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. You don't get it? Okay. I don't get All it. All right. All right. I'll give it to you in bullets. <clears throat> uh-huh. the, the, the one kid uh, one kid is sitting on under on the bottom bunk of, of a bunk bed. It's like going to be two brothers. All right. And the one kid is holding a yellow crayon. And then you hear the brother yell, Chris, is that a weed? And we cut to the brother looking at him, very concerned. We cut back to the older brother. He says, he says, no, it's a, he's about to say it's a crayon. It's a cray. And then they cut to the little brother saying, I'm going to call the police. And he, he, he dials 911 on the microwave. And then... Uh, <laughs> keep going. Then, keep going. And then the X-Files music starts. Mm-hmm. Is that a weed? Nope, not doing it for me. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. Now listen, Burrow makes simple, innovative furniture for modern life at home. Their award-winning sofa is packed full of clever features and thoughtful touches, you'll wonder why you didn't upgrade your living room situation sooner. Uh, Burrow uh, has gotten some rave reviews. One customer said, Burrow's nailed it on quality, craftsmanship, and customer service. Another review said, it was incredibly easy to set up, only took 20 minutes. We love how versatile it is. That's pretty cool. The Burrow itself is modular, okay? So, so, so it arrives in a bunch in some boxes, and, and you put it together. It's, it's not one big couch. You, you're the one who makes it into a big couch because it's easy because it comes in boxes. You can carry them up like a person. Let's say you have like poor upper body strength and skinny arms like some people. Mm, not a problem. It comes together in minutes. You can add or remove seats as you need them. You can easily take it apart if you move. Uh, the burrow that we got with our own money, no discount, no discount. And the burrow that we got, we also got one of the, we got an ottoman, but you can get, you can attach stuff to it. And it's, it's really cool. 
It's modular. Do you understand? Are you ready for this? It has a built-in USB charger. What? In my sofa? Yes. In your sofa so you can charge your device right from your sofa. That's madness. What a time to be alive. It's a Super customizable. You can choose from five fabric colors, three leg finishes, and two armorous styles that can be up high, down low. It could be any length you want. Any length. Hmm, that's an interesting thing. I would love to see somebody really push the envelope on how long their sofa can be. You can add a chaise or an ottoman. I did that. Hello. Plus, they just launched. Oh, no, this is new. Oh, my God. They've launched the Nomad Leather Collection. I should have gotten a leather one. Might need another sofa. It features their same convenient design and now with the option of top grain Italian leather upholstery. Dang, that's cool. Um, we uh, we needed a couch for years. I the couch the couch that we have owned was was made before I was born. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's in my office now, and the thing's just an ungodly mess. When we needed to get a, a couch, uh, we kept putting it off. We kept saying, "Oh no, no, not today, not today, not today, Satan." And then finally. I bit the bullet. I went to the website. I bought a burrow. It was delivered. I put it together and I'm very happy with it. My family sits on it. Sometimes the cat sits on it, but there's nothing I can do about that. So don't email me. If you're in the market for a new sofa, give your living room the upgrade it deserves with a burrow sofa. You get $75 off a new sofa and free one week shipping by visiting burrow.com slash diffs. That's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. $75 off your order. Jiminy Christmas. That's a good deal. Uh, listen, our thanks to Burrow for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. And we're back. And now you're poisoning my recommendations. Oh, God. Now that I watched this thing. <sighs> oh, no. Yeah, Just one. It only takes one. Survivor. Survivor. Not, not Chernobyl Survivor. Um, but uh, Survivor YouTube has really salted my game. Blew up my spot, as the youths say. I already had a little bit of a toe dip into uh, Survivor YouTube. In particular, I, I found myself following the videos that former Survivor stars put up themselves Ugh. outside the context of any officially sanctioned Survivor activity. Mm. Which is like, it's like against senior teacher in the supermarket or whatever. Yeah, yeah I hate that mm. feeling. Mm. By the way, it was Chow Yun-Fat in uh, Crouching Tiger. I'm not you, sure you Oh, you know who I'm thinking of? Uh, I was laughing because I'm thinking of uh, Sam Hung is who I'm thinking of. Was Jackie Chan in it? No, <laughs> I don't have that problem. Did I get the line speaking, right? Speaking of speaking of, uh, speaking uh, of crossovers, bits. yeah, the 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 it's not a bit, but actually, I I'm, I think I thought it was a bit, but now I realize it wasn't. In a recent episode of Roderick, oh Line, no, in which, he, in which he talks about uh, his past with the various bands that he's been <sighs> in, and one in particular, I don't want to ruin it. it's two part episode. It's great. You should listen to it. Put links in the show notes. Pretty good two part episode. Yeah. At one point, someone, one of you, I think, John was naming bands of a particular type in a particular era. It's like, we had bands like Green Apple and Quick that. Step. Yeah, and one of the... Do you remember? You know what I'm getting at here? Uh, one of the bands that was named. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like a mainstream band. It was... Uh, yeah, it was... Wait, I know this. Uh, yeah, it was like a... Like not an Atomic Dust band, but it was one of those like 90s... I forget. Tell it me. wasn't a band that... Put it this way. It wasn't a band that I had heard of, but when he said it, I first I thought... He was doing a Flophouse reference. We're like, but he doesn't listen to the Flophouse. How can you make it? And then I realized, then I realized it was a real band and that the Flophouse bit was from it. Uh, Cherry Pop and Daddy. Oh, Cher Cherry Pop and Daddy, sure. And sure. I thought, Cherry Pop and Danny's? <laughs> I thought that was a Flophouse joke, but it was a real band named oh something God, close you, to that. You just got Bob's Burgers. Yeah, the, the, the Flophouse people were obviously referencing, but I had no idea. And it was all the more funny because what a ridiculous name for a band. I but think they're a ska a band. band. That's got to be a ska band. And then I, I spent a little while <sighs> thinking about what does it mean? 
I mean, I get the like cherry popping. What does it mean to pop a cherry? Like I know the metaphorical, right? Oh yeah. I never really thought about the daddy's part. It's not nice. Right. But, but then, so then I set that aside, like, well, maybe that's fine, but they were They're going for it. Maybe there's some cherries? other context. Maybe there's some other context in which like the actual fruit of a cherry is, is like popped in some way <laughs> as part of some preparation. <laughs> and I couldn't think of anything. I'm like, they don't pop. They're not cherry uh-huh. tomatoes. I mean, I guess cherry tomatoes <laughs> pop as seen in Return of the King. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then I had to rewind the podcast because mm-hmm. I'd missed the last seven seconds thinking about cherry popping. No, no, I leave it behind. If you're going to show you, when you said uh, you were going to show your son um, a fantasy movie, what fantasy movie would you show him that he hasn't seen? Out of curiosity, um, honestly, what, what was the last fantasy selection? Uh, I think I might have been filing Princess Bride under there before oh, okay. I showed it to him. I might think about something like Legend, although I think it might be too boring. Is it Tom Cruise? Yes. I see. I'm always in the market for for a non Lord of the Rings fantasy movie. I, I mean, I don't. It's weird. Like Legend. My recollection of Legend is it's good to be, or, or, or even Excalibur, but that's a little racist. Uh, Excalibur's uh, and, got a and, lot of adult kissing time. Yeah, but and, it's and very and good kind of, and kind of boring. Again, Excalibur uh-huh. seems like a movie that he should see himself uh, uh, at night when he's up past when he's supposed to be watching. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of great uh, choices. I showed both kids Willow, which is one of my favorites. I would recommend that. Oh, that's I saw Willow. That's a George Lucas movie with the with the with the with the guy in it. Uh, yeah. It's got the Warwick W. Wicked in it, right? Mm-hmm. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer and uh, and what's his name? You know the guy who's in all the Harry Potter movies who has the uh, talent agency for little people. What's his name? Warwick Wicked. What's his name? Warren Harding. What's his name? War, you're trying to Warwick Davis. Warwick Davis. That's David. Da- David. Hmm. David Kalen. I think you're thinking of. <sighs> This is what happens in the show. My brain goes blank. Warwick Davis. I got. I got it right. I, I'm doubting myself for a second. I'm like, no. Cherry popping daddies. Anyway, I'm a big fan of Willow. If unjustly maligned was still a podcast, I would go on that podcast and explain how Willow is unjustly maligned. I didn't even know it was maligned until hmm. other people started talking about it. And I'm like, all right, well, Willow is unjustly maligned by some, and I will defend. That was back for me. That was back when George Lucas like. If he did anything, of course I was going to see it. He was vaguely associated with it. It's not like he's responsible for Willow in its entirety. Who, of the people who made that movie that aren't talent, whose name do you most associate with it? Who aren't talent? Like who, behind the scenes? I have no idea. It was, you don't, Ron you don't Howard associate, directed it. You don't associate George Lucas with Willow? Oh, I certainly do. Okay, but Ron Howard saying. directed it. Okay, all right, fine. You win this one. Oh, it was a story by George Lucas. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought that. All right, well, screenplay by someone else who can write. So that explains that. Work W. Story Davis. by George Lucas. His story is story. Anybody can write a story. Anyone there's can cook. little people, and now you yeah. write a screenplay. Okay, good. You know he has a talent agency for little people. Did you know that? Work W. Wicked. He started a he started a talent agency for little people. You could see it in, in one of the behind the scenes documentaries for one of the later Harry Potter movies. It's really cool because his wife is a little person too. You know, and his kids. His kids are in the the scene. The scene when they take the polyjuice potion. And they go in, in disguise to go mm-hmm. to Gringotts. Um, mm-hmm. the, his kids are in the background pushing a cart around. How cute is that? Work W. Wicked's kids. I'm looking to the female lead in Willow. I'm trying to see what else I have seen her. Willow in. W. Wicked. Hmm. Not seeing anything. Didn't they animate the eyes? And the Ewoks? They sure did. Oof. Oof. They added blinking. Oof. I don't know if they did total eye replacement. Only Todd knows they did <laughs> total, total eye replacement. Eye replacement. <laughs> that sounds like a Tim and Eric bit. Can I do some follow up, please? Copyright John Syracuse, trademark. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I wanted to mention something that a listener sent in. Uh, this is a wraparound episode. <laughs> the episode I'm about to mention comes out tomorrow as we record this, but weeks ago as you listen to this. And we talked about Hamilton, where I said some really stupid things. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. But um, I had mentioned to you, and there will be links in the episode that uh, you will have listened to by the time this comes out. I'll put in a, a Music Nerd uh, links for that. But a listener sent me a link to a really good podcast episode of a podcast that I really like now. And the name of the podcast is Strong Songs, hosted by a guy named Kirk Hamilton, who does various kinds of music things and bloggy things. And um, they do an episode on Satisfied, which is not unsatisfied by the replacements. He, he does an episode on Satisfied that's really good. I liked it so much. I listened to it three times in one day. And uh, it will definitely be in show notes for, for this episode. Um, you might have seen me tooting about that or not. It's, or, it's already in my overcast queue. Okay. I'd be interested to hear what you think. Um, he does a, so you know Song Exploder, mm-hmm. right? I just listened to Song Exploder about the cranberries. It was very sad. Oh, I just heard a really good isolated vocals from uh, Linger. Somebody sent me a Reddit uh, of isolated uh, tracks. And I was listening to that. It's right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, the one for Killer Queen? Woohoo! Wow. Uh, what was my point? Well, yeah, Song Exploder, I think of as being kind of about songwriting, but mostly about production, kind of, right? Like how, how you made this track, right? Not how you wrote this track so much, right? Kind of? Fair? Well, you should listen to the Cranberries one because it has actually more of the backstory of the writing and much less of the layering of the tracks. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I just want you to get my back so I can make a distinction about how this is not the same thing as Song Exploder. Mm-hmm. So Song Exploder, I think, uh, never mind. Uh, no, I get it. Like uh, the classic episode of Song Exploder. You just can't let me the, have it. I, you the, know uh, I'm not is, mentally prepared for this, but you just can't <laughs> let me have one thing. Is the, uh, the, the Commander Thinks Loud episode, which is very much with, about- I'm not familiar with his work. It, very much about how the tracks come together to make the song. Yes, and I think the Song Exploder is being about how, how, how I built this with Guy Ross. I think of it as being how we put this song together. Now, what I love about uh, the three or three or four episodes of Strong Songs with Kirk Hamilton that I've listened to is it is much more, yeah, certainly the production comes into it. And he talks about like what you're hearing, right? Like when you're listening to when Let It Go starts, like here's the sounds. There's a glockenspiel on just these three notes at the end of each line. There's the fairy bells here. Like, you know, this is the original track from the guy who wrote the song. Well, co-wrote the song with his wife. But this is the original piano track, and Adina Menzel did this. And you know, uh, and that's a really good episode. But the video or the um, the episode for Satisfied is so good. There's so much going on in that song. There's so much going on in 15 seconds of that song that I could partly put together. But I there's a reason I listened to it three times in one day. You should check out uh, listeners, folks, people, team. Uh, check out Strong Songs with Kirk Hamilton. I've also listened to the episode on Tiny Dancer and uh, <laughs> uh, Tiny Dancer and Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was good. The episode on um, uh, Mr. Blue Sky was good. He's just really good at explaining the theory stuff without, I mean, like, yeah, sure, he'll explain, like, this is, a, this is the tonic, this is the subtonic, but really he's playing. He's a very gifted piano player and he will be playing you bits and replaying you bits and saying, okay, now let's go back and listen to the track. But it's not boring. It's not tedious. It's exciting. And like you really see why this song is great in, in a lot of these cases. Now, of course, that, speaking of why this song is great, uh, Rick Beato does those uh, more, slightly more mainstream, but also touching on music theory things. Why this yeah. song is great about stuff on YouTube. Or uh, otherwise known as Rick Beato. And let me show you that I know the solo from this song. Yeah, 
he's eh, not too sure. He's not too sure, buddy. Sometimes eh. he does it. Sometimes he plays it. But. I learned about him because of um, my music boyfriend, Adam. Adam, what's his name? That guy I like. Not Adam Curry. Not Adam Curtis. Adam, what's the guy's name that I like? I don't know. I the know the guy, guy you're talking about, but I'm, I didn't subscribe I'm to his channel, really, so I don't know anymore. All right, all right. And Rick Beato's fine. He's fine. Yeah, no, I, I feel like he does all of his guitar playing matter-of-factly, so he doesn't make it look hard, but he doesn't make it look too easy either, but mm-hmm. he just, you know, he just plays it. Yeah, and that's some of my favorite things that he does are the, like, where he gets, I don't know how people ever get Yeah, somehow he gets isolated the tracks. tracks. Yeah. Right, yeah. And that's the best part of as he adds the tracks in. When he's, like, he's got a lot of isolated tracks of Van Halen songs. Like, how did you get these? Was it Android? Paranoid Android, or was it um, Airbag? I guess it was, I guess it was Paranoid Android. Um, was really good. The Van Halen ones, Van Halen ones, I highly recommend because I've oh. not heard those songs stripped down like that before. And like, just realize how strong every one of those parts is. It, incredible. So on that Reddit, so uh, of course, everybody's heard, not everybody, a lot of people may have heard. If you haven't heard, please find the isolated vocals for Running With The Devil because it's a heck of a thing. Um, the isolated guitar for Running With The Devil is so good. And I was just listening to the isolated drums for I'm The One. I'm the one, the one you love. Come on, baby, show your love. You know that song? Oh my god, it's so good. Yeah, those those songs. That's I mean, half of it is production, but half of it is just like mm-hmm. it's so elemental. Like I guess that was just the style, as the style of the time, right? Yeah, Whatever. but also they they had gotten. I mean, in the relatively short amount of time they'd been together, in the grand scheme of things, they played so they played live so much. And Templeman, I think in Germany, yeah, ten thousand hours, and mm-hmm. then um, and then I think Templeman essentially wanted to capture the way that they sounded live, and so. To the extent they possible. Went into, a, went into a real recording studio. Mm-hmm. Was this, this, this was real world? What are we doing here? What, what no, it's just not, they didn't go to... Uh, oh, oh God, they didn't go to Scrappy? Scrappy? <laughs> yeah. Here's my question about Scrappy. This is a reference oh to God, the John yes. Roderick episode where he, he made some mistakes in, uh, in his recording process. And he refers to someone in the story uh, named Scrappy. Now, I'm totally willing to believe there's someone who went by the name Scrappy. What I My question is, when John tells these stories and he give someone a name like Scrappy, was that what everybody called them? Or is he protecting the names of the guilty? Like the the person's actual name was Doug, but he doesn't want people. I don't know John Roderick very well, but my suspicion is that's exactly what that guy's name is. Yeah, I mean, you got Skeeter and all that, so I feel like it's... Gary? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yeah, R.I.P. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Eero. You can learn more about Eero right now by visiting eero.com slash diffs. Now listen closely. The folks at Eero built the Wi-Fi system they wished everyone could have in their homes. It's a fast, reliable connection in every room and the backyard too, or in my case, the garage. True story. It starts with their second generation Eero device. It has three, three, three five gigahertz radios, which allows for increased speed and range. And it sits flat on any surface, connects over ethernet or wirelessly. And then you can easily expand the coverage throughout your whole home by adding in some Eero beacons. Now, these Eero beacons are very cool. These are devices that plug directly into your wall, right into the socket, right? Allowing you to reach every corner of your home. And with Eero Plus, a service that they offer, you can enjoy total network protection to block malicious content, advanced security that checks sites against a database to check that they're safe, and content blocking so you can choose what your kids can and cannot visit right in the Eero app. I'm going to talk to you about that Eero app in a minute, so put a fork in that. It has ad blocking to get rid of annoying ads and pop-ups. Nobody likes ads. And access to third-party security apps like Encrypt.me, 1Password, and Malwarebytes. 
With Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. This is true. It'll take, it'll take, it'll take you minutes. It's so easy. If you ever need them, Eero has incredible customer support on hand to help. Now, this is the part where it says uh, personal experience. So here's the personal experience. Okay, let's get it out of the way. And this thing works really great. It's easy to set up. And, and uh, you know, I've got this. My friend's got this. I can only tell you my experience, which is that I used to get some big dropouts in my very, 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 very old house. And, and you just don't get that anymore. Now, with the beacons, you add these on. You put them where they need to be. And now, if you can imagine Wi-Fi in three dimensions, you're not just having this one little pole that shoots out wherever it feels like shooting out. You're blanketed in Wi-Fi. Now, now, now they didn't tell us to talk about this, but I want to talk about the Eero app. The Eero app is amazing and is constantly getting better. This is an app. How often do you have an app for doing stuff with a hardware device that you actually enjoy using, that you would choose to use? Well, that is the case with the Eero app. It does all kinds of great stuff. It shows you all the devices on your network. Uh, like you can go in and see, okay, this thing is manufactured by Apple and here's this thing. And you can go in and you can name it. And if you're like me and you're broken inside, you can even add cool little emojis that make it really easy to see. Somebody uh, comes in and uh, and uh, and gets on your network, your guest network. You get a little pop up that says, "Hey, dingus! Somebody just got on your network. Is that cool?" And you can say, "No, that's not cool. Get out of here. This is a sleepover. You focus on playing Clue, not looking at your damn phone." They didn't tell us to say that, but it's a really good app and it's a really good service. And, and you should you should get the Eero. So listen. Never think about Wi-Fi again and get $100 off the Eero base unit and two beacons package plus one year of Eero plus what? Go to eero.com slash diffs and at checkout, please use the very special offer code diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. It's a pretty good deal. $100 off that. It's insane. Eero.com slash diffs offer code diffs. Our thanks to Eero for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Let's see what else we got. Oh, anyway, so go check it out. Uh, he seems like a nice guy, and I like his I like his style. His name's uh, Kirk Hamilton, not to be confused with Hamilton, not to be confused with Satisfied, not to be confused with Unsatisfied. Unsatisfied did not come out in 1985. I think it came out in 1983. Strong not songs. Not to be confused with Kirk Hammond? I think you're thinking Hammond? of Kirk Who's Acevedo. The, who is the Metallica guy? What, Kirk, Kirk Hammond or Kirk Hammett? You might be thinking of the guy, the guy who's a Christian now. The guy that was on that uh, TV Who's show with Alan Thicke. Don't Thick. make me Google. Don't make me Google. No, you're thinking of Alan Thicke's son on that TV show, or Kirk Hammett. Now, show Kirk, me no, that smile again. Hammett, two T's. No, Kirk Hammett, he, gets, he used to get a lot of the credit for being the one who shreds. He ain't the one who shreds. Yeah, I've heard. It's James. It's the, James. It's, the, it's, it's all the, about James. Is it the Lunkhead guy? Is that yeah, the guy the who shreds? Yeah, the Lunkhead guy. You're still thinking of that Napster video, aren't you? Is that it? You're thinking of the Napster video and the way uh, James looks in that video. No, I don't even know what video you're talking about. When, um, when, Metallica came down hard on Napster, mm-hmm. very much that. led publicly by Lars. Um, somebody did a hilarious flash video of them and did very funny impersonations of them and basically portrayed James Hetfield as being like this Frankenstein character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's, it's really it's funny. Is that ringing a bell? That's, it's ringing the bell, but it's also very on the nose. So I'm, I maybe I didn't it's see it. It's probably saying it was a flash video is probably what helped. Yeah. James Hetfield. James Hetfield, not, not, Hatfield. not James Hammett. No, no, not no, no. Hatfield. No, no, no. You're thinking of Dan McCoy, the Hatfields the, and the McCoys. The Hat, no, yeah, right. So who is the Hatfield? Juliana Hatfield? Ju- Juliana Hatfield. She's from Boston. It was like a 90s one-hit wonder. Yes. She, oh, come on. She was in the Lemonheads, and she was also in uh, And she Juliana had one Hatfield. hit. What? Well, in a solo career, she had one hit, right? I don't know about that. I mean, she did lots of stuff. She sang on My Drug Buddy. Like, she was in the Lemonheads. Show some respect. Right, sure, but as a solo artist, she had one hit. I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. 
I, I get confused sometimes. The, the, the Rat King of, uh, of indie rock uh, people from Boston, it confuses me. So like she was in that. Then you've got, you've got, um, obviously you got the Breeders, but then you've also got, um, you know what? I'm not going to get into it. You got Tanya Donnelly, you know what I'm saying? It's like a regular Actually, right here on the Wikipedia page. Just You said Tanya Donnelly. I'm staring at the text Tanya Donnelly. The Tanya Donnelly used to be in Are you reading the same Wikipedia page? Is that why? Wikipedia, you thinking about uh, Josephine Wiggs? What are you thinking of? I'm trying to find her one hit because I don't remember what it was. Oh, talking about Juliana Hatfield. Yes, Not what was her one hit? What was it? Uh, Juliana Hatfield. Uh, was she in Blake Babies? Blake Babies. Blake Babies. She wasn't in Unrest. I'm pretty sure of that. Juliana Hatfield was in Blake Babies. Juliana Hatfield had a hit song. I'm looking it up now. I'm clicking. I don't know it off the top of my head. But don't tell me because I want to read it. I want to read it. How is this not the first line on a Wikipedia page? Well, you should edit it, you know? Tragedy of the Commons. Duxbury. (laughs) It's a place called Duxbury. Duxbury. Duxbury, Mass. You say Moss, Massachusetts? Juliana Hatfield three. Oh, my sister. I know that song. <laughs> did you mean Juliana Hatfield hot? No, I did not mean that, Google. Juliana Hatfield feet. Juliana Hatfield net worth. <laughs> oh, wow. She covered Needle in the Hay. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, what else was I going to say about Boston? I don't Maybe I'm wrong. Remember. Maybe she didn't have one hit because Google should be throwing that one hit in my face and they're, they're not. No, it's probably my sister. No, it'll be my sister. Yeah, I think that's that. I guess that's it. You're right. I thought of you today <clears throat> on um, a show I like, Lexicon Valley. You were talking about the singer Billy Murray, uh, who was a very popular singer singer in the early 20th century, and I, and I saw that he died in 1954. And the place that he died is Jones Beach, New York. Now, my question to you is that on Long Island? It sure is. Isn't that isn't that um, who's that guy you like? It's a Robert. Was that a, was that one of Robert Caro's projects? Robert Moses, yes, it was. Okay. Kind of unfortunate that Robert Moses and Robert Caro have the same first name, so people can get them confused. Did Robert Caro, Robert Caro did live on Long Island, right? Probably. Uh, what about Robert Moses? Yeah, Robert Moses I think lived so. on I Long think, Island. Wasn't he, wasn't he born in Queens, Robert Caro? I don't remember. That's where Archie Bunker's from. Yeah. No, a lot of people live on Long Island. It's, a it's, big a, place. it's so much it's very, wider very than very I popular. thought. Okay. Got, got boroughs of New York City on there. Also, a new podcast I'm listening to. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on. Avery Truffleman. I don't know if she's left 99PI, but she seems to be doing her own thing. Very interesting. She has a new show about dystopias, and they talked about Levittown. Now, you had family that lived in Levittown. There was sure one did. of the four yeah. Levittowns, I believe, was on Long Island. My Both of my uh, parents' parents uh, lived in Levittown. Two si- you get a two-sided fireplace. That's how, that's how my parents met each other. They went to the same high school in Levittown. And they were both white. Because they were, yeah, of a surprise, hmm. and, and both uh, both my grandparents were veterans, and so hmm. the, the the families was, of white veterans woman could and buy they were both veterans. Yeah, that's could, cool. Could buy a uh, house as long as they weren't Jewish. Could buy as long as they buy were a white. house for yeah for a good price because they were not Jewish and white uh, and veterans, and that was the right thing to be. Did you know it was specifically that it was like specifically in the deed that. Yeah, sure. No, the, the back back in the old days, you could they just didn't, say it. Uh, even make a token effort to hide uh, racism and discrimination. I want to find because, like, the uh, clause twenty five of the standard lease is that right? <laughs> that it basically said that like no one, none of the like inhabitants of the place can be non Caucasians. Mm-hmm. Wow. So anyway, strong songs. Uh, it's good. 
Everybody likes Hamilton. Kirk Hamilton. So we probably got what? We do have some Minai topics. We got, I don't know. I don't know if I have the energy for grit. We could try. No, we, we don't. Can we have do an easy one? Time, it's, it's, we don't have time for grit, but that's going to still stew for a while. Right? It's, it's just making me madder all the time. I know. We're building you up. Mm. So beta is not very interesting. I do have a weird uh, computer problem. Yeah. Why don't you tell I mean, me about what, what, You know, problem. I've been talking too much. Enough of my chattering I on. I don't think you have. What? Why don't you, why don't you talk about something? I don't have any minis. You've got the, the top several minis. are all you. I don't even know what's interesting about this. Why did I write this? See, I thought this was for next week. I don't know what I was thinking. This, next week is now. Okay, so we could talk about one and or two things. We could talk about the ris- wisdom or folly of running Apple betas on devices. We could also talk about my super tech support problem where I'm having a weird thing where Overcast pauses. I probably can't even help you with the overcast one. It is interesting. It's very I'll, I'll interesting. Hear, I'll hear about either one of them, whichever you'd like to talk about. So you don't run even public betas anymore, right? It depends. Uh, in the past several years, when I've no Since, longer been yes, required, exactly. no longer been required to run betas as part of any kind of work that I do, I have occasionally run iOS betas mostly because I want the features that are in iOS. So I'll see a new version of iOS announced and they'll be like, it's got this cool new feature in that one. And eventually a beta two will pass and like, you know what? I would like to experience those features because it has always annoyed me that they're not there and I want them. And usually what I would do is install the iOS beta on my iPad, which is not as essential and important as my phone, but it is a device that I use all the time and I I get to experience the new features early. Um, So that's what I've been doing. iOS betas on my iPad Usually don't put them on my phone just because I want it to always be reliable and yada, yada, yada. But occasionally I've put a beta on my phone just when everyone says the betas are actually pretty good and there's some synergy with the iPad where there's some kind of syncing thing where I want to have in both places. Um, on the Mac, I tend to install the new version of the OS just out of curiosity and poke around at it every once in a while, mm-hmm. but not like use it or anything, right? And so, but, but it depends. Like in this, in our current time period here where ios 13 is out the betas by all reports have not been particularly stable and so i'm holding off on even installing that on my ipad i have installed the mac beta just because it's so easy to make a new partition and i enjoy the the file system nerdery of being able to easily make a new partition and put the new os on it so i did that just to poke around then i booted it i poked around i satisfied my mild curiosity mostly just so I felt like I'd be informed enough to to be able to skim articles that are about the Mac beta and to be like, okay, mm-hmm. so all that, so all that. Like, I can, I don't have to read all those. Like, as I, I basically looked at, you know, I didn't do what I do for my old Mac OS X reviews, but I still like launched every single application, looked at every single preferences window, just kind of like a rote <laughs> thing that I would, you know, just sort of taking all the things which which applications you're like, you're like have a new option marching in the parade <laughs> yeah you just you just go through the motions or whatever then my curiosity is satisfied and i just uh, leave it behind so that's that's my current state i wish i could be running the ios betas but they're reportedly not too stable i don't actually run the mac beta but i have it installed so i can poke around on it yeah so what are you doing why why are you this is my question to you why are you interested in betas at all like i told you why i'm interested it's, it's usually because i want the features and then like sort of nostalgic professional curiosity about yeah, sure, sure. thing. Why, why are you interested in betas? Well, I mean, 
as we as we uh, back into my my weird um, super tech support thing, it's kind of I'll have to explain some things. But I mean, the short answer is that I have um, why lie? I have several iOS devices, and so it's a no brainer to me. Seeing what was going to be coming with iPad OS, uh, it was absolutely a no brainer that I I wanted that ASAP, like to be on there. Because you know, worst case scenario, I can just roll back, right? But like I I um. So I'll have to do some explaining in a minute. But as far as why now, I'm going to ruin the story a little bit. But um, I'm just, I am, I'm not a, a <laughs> nobody cares what I think about computers anymore so much, but I am actually genuinely interested in what comes next, uh, especially with the iPad, which I feel like has been such a sleeping giant for so long. I mean, I think sometimes even Apple has forgotten that it's a giant and that it's asleep. And um, I, I'm, 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 I'm not as balls deep as like a mic or a, um, a Federico. Um, I mean, I, my iMac, my 2015 iMac is still pretty on, on inarguably the best computer I've ever had. Right. I mean, it's really, really good and it's not running a beta. My, my iMac is so good. Like, why would I not want to use it? Like I just, just, I mean, it's still like every few weeks, something will come along. That's just amazing. Like Brett Terpster recently released this thing called, um, uh, it was a bunch or bunches that we talked about on here. Um, he's got a, I'm on a beta for his NV ultra. It's just great. There's just still so much great stuff happening on a Mac, but, um, and, and not even for like old fogey or young fogey reasons. I just, my, so my iMac is my, probably my best computer I've ever had, but my iPad pro 10 inch or whatever it is, the latest one, not, not the giant, giant one, but that's, well, it's my favorite device right now. I really, really love my iPad pro. I mean, it's my go-to, like if I, I'll go, to, I'll go to my phone for convenience or I'll go to my one of my two Macs for Mac things. But I really genuinely enjoy the way that particular device with little square edges feels. And I'm just very excited about where it's going to go. And I knew there was having watched, eventually having gotten to watch the keynote, uh, I knew that I wanted that stuff on there, on my iPad, uh, as soon as possible. Uh, no, no need for it, apart from... Um, I mean, just to be deadly honest, I just wanted the stuff and there's not that high of a cost associated with this. You know what I mean? So you don't have any concerns. This is, when I used to install Mac betas all the time, I had a, an entire set of shadow Apple IDs that I would use for the purposes of testing only mm-hmm. that had semi-real data in it and that I could deal with because I never wanted to let a beta operating system of any kind touch my iCloud ah, data. Of course, of course. Because in the in the past, it could screw things up. Now, I just said I install iOS versions, uh, beta versions, and iOS touches your iCloud data these days too. Mm-hmm. But back when I was doing this, what iOS didn't even exist for a large portion of the time. Um, that's why I tend to wait for a more stable beta because I am going to sign in on my real Apple ID on my iPad. Mm-hmm. So I do want to make sure the OS is at least at the point where it's not going to like scramble everything the other good thing i have going for me is that so, the, so just to be clear the, you're saying here like the, 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 monkeying around with that could corrupt your data in a way that sets off um a chain reaction where your data would be corrupted that would be populated to all your devices the cloud and all of your devices and all your stuff could get bored it really just borking it in the cloud is the thing i'm worried about propagating the devices maybe maybe not like here's the other thing sometimes there are one-way conversions like we're converting your notes to the new format behind oh yeah the i haven't scenes. done and that yet i have, not, once, done, I have once, not upgraded that no and once you do that yeah, you can't, you can't back, back in the day when they did the big upgrade you couldn't even view your notes on the other devices right um today they have a milder version of that where like the computer i'm staring at right now is running such an old operating system that there are some notes that it can't see from icloud but it still syncs the other ones mm-hmm 
like the notes that use the new features that aren't available in this version of notes don't even show up on this Mac, but the other notes do. Um, so it's something I'm aware of and concerned about. And for the ones where there's a one-way conversion, uh, if you convert it, it's converted in the cloud and only your new device can see it. So now you've ma made that data inaccessible to your other devices in the worst case. Uh, the other thing is that yeah. the family photo library is not under my app like it's under my wife's so if i bork photos what i'm borking is my photo collection which isn't that big first of all and second of all in theory every single photo in my collection that i care about has been copied manually mm -hmm. into the family collection because apple doesn't understand how families work and that's how we do things but like you know but you you're you're is so many of your decisions are defined and this is not a bit they're defined by a certain kind of um uh, mindfulness is the wrong word but like a certain kind of like cautious paranoia well, I would say cautious risk management. Like you could call it paranoia, but it's actually not insane to want several backups of your stuff. There's nothing crazy about that. And you can't you can't back up the stuff that's in iCloud. Like I don't have control over that stuff. Like yeah, you can sort of back it up, but like mm -hmm. you know, I can have a, a backup of my local copies of the stuff. But there's state that's in iCloud that I just because I have a local backup of my photo library, for example, mm -hmm. if my photo library gets borked in iCloud. It's not like I can restore from backup and that will fix my iCloud photo library. It's like uh, Apple doesn't support that type of mode. Like maybe I could re-import all the things and lose all the metadata, but there's no sort of two-way syncing. Like you don't get you don't get branches, right? Yeah, and you don't get to say like, well, I you know this beta totally hosed my photo library, or or like even even like rollback. You don't even get rollback to this. I mean, sort of like like with Time Machine and Backblaze, you can say like, I want this from I want I want you to recreate this in situ from this timestamp. Yeah, and it, 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 there's small data sets you can do it. Like the address book application now called Contacts has a feature where you can save an archive backup just as a local archive. And if you ever totally hose your contacts, if you if right before you started messing with the beta, you had saved an address book archive, then you could be like, okay, oh, yeah. wipe all my contacts and then reload them locally on this Mac from the archive and let that sync to iCloud. But mm -hmm. you can't do that with 120,000 photos and all their metadata because I don't even have a good backup of their metadata. There is no archive format for photos. So I wouldn't trust my ability to restore from a local backup and I can't back up the cloud version of it. And so if some beta borks my stuff in the cloud, I'm in, in real trouble. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and I had enough, I, I foolishly without thinking when I set up Catalina signed in with my real Apple ID. So I hope that didn't bork anything. I didn't really like look at it, but I did let it sync my notes. So far, they don't seem to be hosed, so I have dodged a bullet, but I'm getting sloppy in my old day. Just because during the setup process, like, I'm just mindlessly, yeah, yeah, set up, set up, set up, and then, like, get lulled into just sort of doing your routine setup. And, and like, it's been so long since I've signed into my fake Apple IDs. In fact, I had a bunch of my fake Apple IDs deleted recently. Oh, yeah, with See your, the, yeah. The, the saga of me calling Apple because <laughs> yes. I didn't need them anymore and just... Anyway, I, I so far I've dodged that bullet, but it sounds like we're both doing betas for the same reason. It's like if there's some feature we see, like whether it's some new thing in multitasking or whatever, and you're like, I would like to play with that right now because it's a thing that I think is cool. And it's not so much, at least for me anyway, it's not so much I get to see the thing before everybody else. It's merely just the impatience of like, I could have that now or I could wait a few more months before I get to play with it. Why don't I just give it to myself now? This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by ExpressVPN. To learn more about ExpressVPN right now by visiting expressvpn.com slash 
diffs. Now listen, you might think that nobody wants your online data or to snoop on you. Hmm, well, think twice, buddy. When you browse the web without anything to protect your privacy, you risk hackers, ad companies, and more collecting your data. And it does happen to people like us, which is uh, why we like to recommend ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. You just download the app, click to connect, and you are protected. ExpressVPN has been rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It uses new cutting-edge technology called Trusted Server to make sure there's no logs of what you do online. That's pretty cool. It costs less than $7 a month, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Um, as I like to remind people, this is that time of year when, when one is compelled to travel. Uh, maybe you got a family and you got to go places. I'm not complaining. I'm not. I'm literally not complaining. But you do have to travel. You do have to get outside your comfort zone that you spend 52 years trying to build. And yeah, you got to use Wi-Fi that's not yours. And, and it can be the worst. And, and I, I tell you, man, uh, ExpressVPN is so great for this. You show up somewhere, you get on that stupid hotel Wi-Fi, and you just click one button. And guess what, buddy? You got your own VPN going. Now you got a stew. Uh, this is true. You, you could go to your uh, local uh, you know, a coffee chain. T- turn on the ExpressVPN. You just hit a button, and it takes care of it for you. Uh, it really, it really is terrific, and and uh, I, you know, I recommend it. So protect your online activity today, and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com/diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Expressvpn. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N. dot com slash diffs for three months free with a one year package. Take back your online privacy. Say it thrice, and it's almost like praying. Expressvpn.com slash diffs. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. <laughs> I, I just I'm so bored by this conversation about ugh, just all the conversations of the like. On the one hand, the extreme, the extremity of like all over the news and Twitter is like, here's how to get on the beta right now. And then on the other end, all the like, man, don't do betas, man. I did a beta because I have to do it for my work, man. You're not allowed to do it. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, I guess we just all make our own decisions. But you know, I. <laughs> with that said, there were some very funny tweets I came across yesterday. Um, my favorite was, and so I had I had made a little remark, which was, you know, I, I like like a lot of people. I was waiting. Uh, I wanted to. Uh, I'll eventually get to putting it on my phone. But um, there's you're getting a 404 trying to install the profile. And my favorite, as I went and, if I want news right now, I go to Twitter because like that is where you find out what's happening right this second. It's like, oh yeah, it looks like a lot of people are getting this 404. And of course I said, this is a good chance for you to do an encrypted backup. I wouldn't, and don't bork my data, but yeah, backup. But uh, one guy in particular, um, when people, when all of my friends out there who say, man, don't install betas, man, <laughs> I'm a pro. I'm allowed to run betas, man, it's for my work, man, <laughs> you pros aren't allowed. Oh, I love you guys, but you're funny. Um, But this one guy was like, (laughs) it was so good because like everybody, so like everybody, he, he got a 404 trying to install the profile, the the public beta profile on his phone. But like, there was so much in his tweet that was, it was such, so hilariously what some people today would call a cell phone. It was so goddamn funny. And it was exactly why all of my tech friends go, meh, don't install a beta because he was like, is anyone else but me getting a, getting a not found error when they try to install this profile? Come on, Apple. <laughs> Come on, Apple. Get it together. 
it was I'm not going to say what the guy said, but I, I don't want to shame the guy. But he was I don't know if we say post he was mad that the beta wasn't working right. Is what he, he was, was mad, mad the beta wasn't working right. <laughs> he did it did not even it was like five things about it that were funny though. It he couldn't be bothered to, to do what an idiot like me had done, which just is look at Twitter for thirty just seconds. Look at Twitter and see if anybody else. Yeah, you know what? You're not the only one. You're not the only one. But like you're so mad. <laughs> that you couldn't get the public beta fast enough and it's Apple's fault that you couldn't get the beta fast enough and wow what a cock up the way they've rolled this out and it was like oh man you are the worst you're exactly the kind of person who should not be doing this not to say that I am that's all just that's just all prelude I don't want to just make this an argue, argument about well, I, I think there's a reason we get this backlash we're not at the second phase like backlash to the backlash yet but we're getting close you're doing backlash to the backlash now I think that's going to be a popular thing I'm, maybe next I'm, year. no I'm here to say I, I I feel so terrible for everybody out there who's a developer you listen, listen to Marco well you already listened to the show you're on it but like Marco after the I think the latest episode he's like oh god this summer's gonna suck Right. Because he's like, he's got so much that he needs to get done. And you can listen to ATP if you want to hear this. But I really felt for the guy talking about everything that he has to do. So you're somebody who's got to deal with all of this stuff. Is he going to do this Mac version of his app? He's got so much stuff to do. He went through his like sort of his priority punch list for all the stuff that he's got to do with his things. Like the stuff that he's got to do before he even gets to the stuff that he wants to do. Now imagine having all of that. And on top of it, you get people out there complaining that your app doesn't work because they're running a beta. It's there's, like what could be more, and that's not what I'm going to do when I talk about this overcast thing because it's not it's not a bitch, but it is weird, and that's why I want your tech support. But uh, I just wanted yeah, that. Well, I feel like the reason we're getting that backlash now is the popularization of public betas in the last several years. Apple didn't used to have a public beta program; they had betas, and developers could get it. It used to be they would make you pay lots of money oh, to get access to the developer yes, betas. Absolutely. Now it's much cheaper to get access to the betas, but then eventually, uh, several years ago, they started doing public betas, which mm-hmm. they would not advertise like it's not like they're pushing them but it's available to the public well they sure talk about it now in a way they didn't used to yeah they, they, it's available on their website and not in a place that you have to sign into i mean isn't there wasn't it on the slide or at least they talked about it at wwdc like that it'll be yeah, wwdc is stuff like has a somewhat more narrow audience but like if you just go to apple.com it's a you press can... conference john it's a press conference why can't they just make it 15 minutes long and for consumers <sighs> Stop it. You're, you're channeling Max. I can't even tell. I'm impersonating Max and his totally nonsensical point of view about WWDC. You got to do, do the droopy voice. If <laughs> <laughs> they're going to come, I can't do it. If they're going That's the to Bane come. voice. It's very similar. You always end up with Bane. <laughs> I would droopy dog, the Bane. Get, get, Harris, here's what you do next time since you never like my challenges. Do, do Next time, see if you can get Max to do his droopy dog voice, but have him do droopy dog doing Bane. It's like when an actor oh, plays a bad actor on a show. That's like right? when, an, when a really good actor has to play somebody who's not a good mm-hmm, actor. Mm-hmm. <gasps> right. So have him have that's him do so Droopy Dog good. doing Bane. What does a Droopy Dog doing Bane sound like? I bet he's just going to do Droopy Dog. He's not even going to. I don't think he has the range to, to mix in. <laughs> you can't do Droopy Dog at all, though. So well, you, I keep. I used to be able to do it. I got to find out what his trick is. I keep sticking my finger in my mouth, and I think that's not hygienic. Yeah, you need you need to get the video on or ask you know, Alex. This is, this is all doing? so boring. Just going like this. No! Wow, that was good. That was so good. Oof. I finally finished. Then, then you put your hand over your face? Yeah, no, just, you know. I don't want Ben. I don't like this. So my, my name you is Sean Connery. <laughs> no, I messed it up. I messed up the quote. I can't. I don't. I'm not going to bury another Batman. <laughs> Michael Bane. Can someone do Michael Kane combined oh with Bane? Oh my God. You just won. Oh my God, we should stop right there. Michael Bane. 
Oh, these are com- combination impressions. This is the new, the hat- new trend for <laughs> Vine. Got a mask Trending on, a mask. on Vine. It's a mask on a mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael Bain is funny. That's good. Someone's done that job. With the cigar and the brandy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after do it down here. Wait. <clears throat> uh, That's to, pretty good. To do, my, to do my Michael Caine, you have to get it down here with the cigar and the brandy. Yeah. Now they all turn into eventually turn into, a little into, bit Sean, into Sean Connery. They all eventually turn into Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Rock, Mr. Bain. No, Mr. Bain. No, Mr. Bain. I, I expect, expect you to you die. die. No, it's, it's not, <laughs> that's not Sean Connery at all. Wait a minute. I'm so confused. So. Wait, 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 I had a, I had a point. Uh, I got, Jesus, I'm not going to get to my super tech support. Let's pop, we'll get to it. Get, pop that, get, pop that stack. And the back, anyway, <laughs> I think the backlash is because uh, more people are running betas, and more people are running betas because Apple talks about it publicly and lets the public download it, which is a thing that Apple wants and mm-hmm. is good for Apple. But it does make the ecosystem more fraught. It's so good, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, honestly, though, isn't it so good for? It's terrible for them in terms of like the PR, I guess. But don't they get? I mean, this is like Jeff Veen used to talk about this when he worked at Google and they would want to test out a feature. And I guess there was some conduit by which they could say, here's a, the, uh, a thing that we want to test. Like, go drop this into the giant machine. And they could get more data in, I guess, like a, I don't know, an hour, a minute, than you could do with like hours of, like months of paid user research. You would get actual data, uh, A-B testing that they could do on Google sites, right? That kind of thing where they're going to get so much data, they're going to they're gonna ferret out so much edge case stuff that they're not just going to get from developers, right? Yeah, and, and, the, and the numbers, like, it sells such a tiny fraction of Apple's actual user base. It just seems like so much to us because we're in the nerdy people and also the people sort of, like, tangentially associated with the nerdy people. But in the grand scheme of things, pretty much nobody installs betas. But among Apple nerds, it used to be just the people who knew what they were doing-ish installed betas, and now that serval has expanded to people who are just, you know prosumers Mm -hmm. right they're just like they don't need to do it for their work they're kind of interested previously they wouldn't have gone through the hassle to get a developer account and do it it's a fomo it's a fomo thing that i'm having which is like not fomo but like i don't believe in fomo but the people who are like oh my god all my friends are doing the thing i want the thing like how many of us are they reading about they're reading they're reading the apple websites to tell them about the new features and they say you know what i can get those new features right now i don't have to pay 99 dollars to be an apple developer or something i can just get the features right now and the youtube industrial complex pushes out all of this stuff where some guy with a swedish accent flicks his phone really fast and you're like hey i want that you know like i i want all my calls to go to voicemail and and as you pointed out it's uh you know, people complaining about it, whatever, but it's actually the worst for app developers That's because what I'm app saying. developers now have this additional support version burden of people saying, "Hey, you know, your app doesn't work on the beta version of the OS," and you know, like, and they, they'll say this if they're nice, they'll say it, and then you know, just so you know, your thing doesn't work in case in case you didn't know that. But if they're not nice, they'll complain about it. Of course they will, because they don't even know what's wrong with it. I mean, yeah, how dare you not have your app working on the beta version of the OS that came out thirty seconds ago, right? And so that. It doesn't feel good for developers. It it makes it can sour the relationship. Because oh, now they're going to have for, to be the karma sucks who say, "Well, no, I mean, you're testing me on material that hasn't been in the textbook yet." Like that's not that's not cricket, right? Or even just like you know, the, like the, the, from a consumer perspective, uh, Marco talked about this too. Being available on day one, iOS 13 comes out officially, and like mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, now we can complain, right? Because uh, it's out officially. I'm not complaining. Your app doesn't work on the beta. Your app doesn't work on the release version of iOS. iOS 13 came out today and your app doesn't work. You had three months to get it working. Yeah, What's fail, the problem? Fail. Right. 
and they're angry and they'll leave bad ratings and, and the relationship will, will be soured. And there's really nothing developers can do about that except for just endure it. Uh, you know, that's just a fact of life of software development, right? But but having people using the betas, like it's just it's just an additional burden and it's an additional... It doesn't poison the relationship, but like there are more angry people than there would be otherwise if if they didn't if they didn't know the beta existed. Well, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to talk about my thing now. I thought I had an interesting problem, and now you made me feel bad about it. Now, points to you. First of all, no, you should totally talk. Like, Michael you're Bain. Not gonna, you're Michael not talking Bain about it in a way where you're going to be. Thing you have ever said. Stop talking. That's the funniest thing you've ever said. For it's me, not even that funny. That was very very funny. There's there's only It'd one. Be funny thing. if I could have done the voice. I can't. Can you combine <laughs> Michael? Can't this, the, the combo like impressions. Combo impressions are are very funny, but very difficult to do. I can't even do single impressions, so I'm not going to attempt the combo impression. My favorite game is trying to choose what it, what your impression is starting to sound like instead of what you intended it to sound like. And I'm not even that great at that. That's a, that's a that's a funny game. I would paint a fake for that. That's a good. I'm like, you good sound good like game. that person. What's his name? You know, that, that one person? guy. Sure, mm-hmm. E. Cummings. <sighs> So what is your problem? What is your, what is your, uh, I'm not, I mean, I don't, I, I just, what's your major malfunction? What is your, I know that. Your major, is that a full metal jacket? That's an angry army drill sergeant for sure. It's not hmm. originally from what's full metal jacket, I don't function? think. It's hard for me to know. Uh, meatballs? Stripes? Meatballs. Meatballs is the one with the running with Chris Makepeace. <sighs> See, now I don't want to talk about it. Now I'm just too tired. I noticed a phenomenon. Okay, so so here's all you need to know about the betas. First of all, everybody shut up about the betas. Nobody cares. Now listen, here's what happened. I knew I wanted this on my iPad. Now I have a friend who's a, a co-host on another show who's very ambitious about these things. And that person, uh, I happen to know, know, got while at WWDC, had put it onto his or her. <laughs> you, know, you ever notice nobody ever says his or her unless they mean her. Alex put it on her iPad. So I knew she got it somehow or and I was like, dude, I, like, I went and I logged in and I went to the portal and like, uh, uh, so there's no OTA for this. You, it looks to me, I said, I said to her, confirm for me, it looks like you can only do this through Catalina or with um, the latest Xcode. And I guess she'd use somebody else's machine. I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but she's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. You're going to have to do Xcode. I used Xcode to get it. And I was like, mm, I don't really don't want to do six, co- six gigs of Xcode plus all the other stuff. And I thought, but I do really want it on my iPad for my own stupid reasons. And it is something I've, I never do. You know me, John. I don't upgrade to the latest Mac OS usually for a year. I mean, just because I've historically, like you, I had, so I've got a, I think I might have the same, almost the same Mac Pro as you from back in the day when I had to run that weird patched, um, that mountain lion hack. Yeah. You've got one newer than, but your your support for your Mac, that Mac Pro is also being dropped. It died. Catalina, it died so. right. What a lion! I think was the last one that it that it, it would um, play well yeah, with. Yeah, right. But but you did the weird firmware patch. To, I to did that that so crappy. What was it called ML something, which I can't imagine a million years you ever even looking at. Um, but no, I don't. Not only do I not run betas on um, my Mac. Uh, I don't even upgrade because, you know, because of my media workflow, I don't want to screw up my apple pies, my cherry pies and stuff. So I wait a year. I usually wait until the next one's out. I mean, I get the updates and everything, but um, no, but in this case, I was like, okay, screw it. I'll put it on the, on the Marco book air and um, the, fi- the 2015 Marco book air, uh, I'll put it on there. And then that'll enable, I'll put the Catalina on there. And then that will enable me to put it on my one iPad. I'll be able to get 
the iPad thing on there. And you know what? I, I, I did do the Catalina thing. And I was like, why did you do that? You're such a dummy. Why did you do that? But whatever. I thought, I'll wait until there's an OTA available, you know, where you don't need to hardware install it. And, um, but at that point I had already put it on my MacBook Pro and, uh, boy, I hate when people say things like this as we just covered for 20 minutes, but it's really not good. <laughs> it's really, it's really super Surprise. not, it's really super not good. Um, it's way worse to me. Oh yeah. Okay. I got one more thing to say about, I got one more thing to say about the iOS betas and then I don't want to talk about it anymore. Cause I'm just mad at this point. Uh, what's the bug everybody talks about? Everybody's mad cause mail doesn't work as well. The mail app. Eh. I don't use the mail app. What, what, yeah, what, me neither. What, what am I going to deal with? I'm going to deal with an overnight crash. Yeah, I think I can deal with that. I'm going to deal with the keyboard suddenly becoming comically large, and then you quit the app and reopen it, and it's fine. Yeah, I can deal with that. I'm, I can deal with that. I knew what I was in for with the iPad, at least with this public beta. But uh, no, but it was already too late, and now it was on my computer. Okay, so here's where I am now. Let's just say that it is on my iOS devices, and it is on my Mac. And I noticed the oddest thing. This may be a total XY thing, but here's the phenomenon that I will describe to you. Uh, so you've got the facts and evidence. You know that I am an Eero household. And what I'm talking about here is listening to, and I don't think this is an overcast thing, just to be clear. It's just that it happens to be that overcast is what I listen to all the time. But I'll be listening on my iPad or my iPhone, both of which have um, the iOS 13 beta. If I move over... <laughs> So stupid. Wait, you put you put the iOS 13 beta on your no, phone? No, no one does that. That's insane. And on your main phone? No, I wouldn't do that. You're, bad. You're a bad person. What are you doing? So I'll be over standing at my standing desk at home with the MacBook Pro, and I'll have walked over there, and I'll set down my phone or my iPad, and usually in less than a minute, sometimes in seconds, the audio pauses. Now, Overcast is not open on the Mac. Let me just give you the basic way. I'm, I'm, you can XY me out, out of this, but, but it's, I set it down. Uh, it doesn't, it, I'm, I'm only mentioning it because it's when I go to use the computer and I'm carrying the device and I set it down on the standing desk where I'm now using the Mac, it almost always pauses. Regardless of whether I'm listening with these headphones or those headphones, whether or not I'm using headphones at all, I wonder if it's anything related to some combination of beta things. Is there any way? Okay, here's the question. Is there any possibility that running Catalina on my MacBook Pro is somehow causing a nearby iOS device to pause? Is my basic sure, it, could, it could be a handoff bug. Oh, that handoff? that's so good. That's so good. That would make sense. Oh my God, you're telling me it's not magic. It could actually be happening. Yeah. Because then cause I hit it again. I, mean, I hit it, I hit the uh hit the play, and it'll play for a second and then it stops again. <gasps> it's because of nearby Bluetooth. And the, it's, it's trying to do a it's um, trying to do handoff, to do something's crashing. It, it thinks it has to interrupt the audio. Like there's all sorts oh, of I mean, you with, with betas. Win this you've episode. You got betas on both of these things, so all sorts of stuff. You got it. You win this I mean, episode. I, I mean, I don't know if that's what's actually happening. No, it was like, that's good here's, enough. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay. Does knowing what why it's happening help you in any way? <laughs> right? Doesn't help you. Does doing like, anything maybe just in life help me? Really? Don't bring your devices close together, maybe. Don't but put that's it on not your really... phone. That's crazy. No, that's really bad. That's bad. Idea. Don't do that. Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, I do that because I have to for my work, but you shouldn't. <laughs> you proles. <laughs> you simple people. 
Uh, speaking of pausing, this is uh, this is a new favorite bug of mine, and I'm not sure who to blame. I'm probably gonna blame Chrome. Okay. Uh, Are you still uh, running Chrome? I, I'm I'm a two browser it's person. It's surveillance weird, Safari- dude. I, I run Safari and Chrome. You got to get off that, man. That's fine. It's not anyway, fine. Um, so. I will, uh, Safari and Chrome are open at all times. Mm-hmm. They're open on my computer now. I also have them open. This only happens on my wife's iMac so far anyway. We're running Chrome over there. And at various times, I'll have many windows and many tabs. And sometimes one of them will have like a, a YouTube video that I'm in the middle of watching that I'm going to resume watching later, mm-hmm. right? And it's halfway through. Uh, and I'll just be in the same room on a different computer doing a thing. And all of a sudden, audio will start coming out of that other computer, and I'll go over, and I'll realize a YouTube video that had been audio paused for Audio will start coming three. out of your wife's computer where you're logged in as you. Yep. Okay. Uh, and it's because a YouTube video that has been paused for three and a half to seven hours has started playing. It has just started playing. Uh, and it, hap- it has happened so many times that it, I'm like, it must be something. Something is basically like, I-, I thought I had it narrowed down to like, something else playing audio. It's going to be an event. It's going to be event an event. Like something like something starts playing audio elsewhere in the system or like an alert, maybe like, you know, notification center. I thought I I was going to guess it's something like, I don't want to say on the server, but something changed about that video. I don't, I don't think the tab. Yeah. I don't think the tab reloaded. Certainly Chrome didn't relaunch. No, no. I meant, I meant more like something happened. No, I meant more like something. I bet there's some kind of a little ping that it sends to say, let's make sure this is still working for people in case this might have paused because we did a thing behind the scenes at the server level in the middle yeah. area. I'm, I'm I'm thinking it's client side, not server side, just because I feel like it's always mm-hmm. associated with some other uh, use of the audio video system on that particular That's computer. That's so weird. Can console tell you anything about that? No, <laughs> console, if it can tell you anything it's a, anymore. It's a, it's what, a giant mess. What's so happened to it, console? What's happening? Yeah, it's a database now. Oh my god, it's so bad now. I've experienced this with my my own app, my my wonderful reload button extension. That I'm, of course I'm I'm debugging my one line thing. The one line you know doesn't work. I'm trying to figure out what the problem is. And so I have logs, right? And I have to like set up console to just show my logs and then like leave it in that mode because it's I haven't figured out how to like save filters or something. I just have to have like a search and and put it in the console to just show my logs and leave it open at all times. But anyway, I wouldn't even know what to look for related to this. But yeah, it's happened a whole bunch of times. And it's really annoying because sometimes you have to like, dig around and find the tab. Chrome tries to show you which tab it is. Well, especially the with the way that you use... With a little um, speaker icon. Well, the way that you use Windows and tabs. That's... Yeah, it's not... Somebody like me, I close like everything buried. out. But yeah, you, you leave those. You might have tabs up for months, right? Yeah, maybe not that long, but, but, uh, but especially I mean, on that computer where I, I get logged out. Well, for, for many days, for sure. Yeah, okay. And, and the thing is, it'll be fine for three days and on the fourth day it will just start to play. It's like, why? Like, I thought, like I said, I, I should write it down. This is like your dream journal. I should write these things down because I thought the first, uh, a couple of times it happened recently. I'm like, aha, it's something else started playing video or something else started playing audio or a notification audio playing and that kicked the system into gear and it decided, you know what? I'm going to start playing this movie. I know it's been paused for three days, but now's the time that's going to start playing again. It really doesn't make any sense to me, but it's a very annoying bug. Oh, you know what? You know what I bet happened? I bet I know. You're using Chrome, right? Mm-hmm. I bet the system said, shot one ping only. 